Father, we pray that you would indeed speak to us this morning, uh, that we would go walking and leaping and praising you. We ask this in at the name and the power of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Most of us can't remember our first steps. Normally they happen when we're very wee at the next stage of our development. Now maybe uh, there are a few mums and dads around this morning. Uh, Maybe nowadays they're captured on the phone, uh, if you get the moment just right, uh, to be kept for posterity. Uh, But normally we don't remember them ourselves. This morning, though, we get to hear about a man who definitely remembered his first steps. You see, Acts 4, at the very end of the chapter, tells us that he was over 40 years old. And his first steps involved more than just a baby's uncertain stumble. He was walking and jumping from the very start. As Luke writes about the church's beginnings, he tells us the story of this man who used to sit begging at the beautiful gate. And in Acts chapter 3 this morning, we hear of a beautiful miracle pointing to the beautiful Saviour who promises a beautiful future. If you've closed your Bible, perhaps you'd open it again to page 1094. Uh, Last week we were in uh, the last bit of Acts chapter 2 and we heard of how many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. Uh, And perhaps uh, as you thought about that passage this week, uh, perhaps those wonders got you wondering as to what they were. Uh, Well here in Acts chapter 3 verses 1 to 10 uh, we see a beautiful Miracle. Peter and John are going up to the temple in Jerusalem at the time of prayer. Every day there were set times of prayer that people would gather at nine o'clock, at twelve o'clock, and at three o'clock. And as they make their way up into the temple, another man is also on his way there. He's not walking though, he's being carried, we're told in verse two. Because, verse 2 also tells us, he was crippled from birth. And so every day he was brought to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he would beg. I don't think he was actually allowed into the temple. He just had to sit outside and beg. And so the man sees Peter and John and, verse 3, ask them for money. He was hoping to get a coin or two from them. And his hopes are raised even higher whenever Peter and John look straight at him and tell him to look at us, verse 4. I'm sure, though, that his hopes were dashed at the next words out of Peter's mouth. Look at how he starts. We've just sung them. Uh, But at verse 6, then Peter said, silver 
And the man's thinking, oh, or gold, silver or gold, I do not have. He's sitting begging, he's expecting money, and this per se, they've no money. But it turns out that Peter and John have something even better than money. And they're going to give it to him. So what could it be? What could be better than having some silver or some gold? Well, Peter says, silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he he helped him up and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. His initial disappointment at not getting money was immediately forgotten because he had received something far better. He had received healing and wholeness, the ability to walk and leap. And when did it happen? Verse 7, when did it happen? Did it take months and months of intensive physio and rehab? No, it was instantly. It was straight away, a miracle, a a beautiful miracle, a miracle that was instantly recognizable. I wonder if you've heard of a condition called prosopagnosia. I've been practicing that all week. Prosopagnosia. Anyone know what it is? Anyone got it? You might have it after you hear about it. It's an inability to recognize faces. Anyone possibly got that? I sometimes have that. Um, So if you see someone you know, uh, and yet you you might not recognize them, uh, or if you see someone in a different context and you kind of think, I haven't seen them before, are they? Um, Well, the people here in verse 9 they definitely weren't suffering from prosopagnosia. Why? Because verse 9 says, when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. It was a beautiful miracle at the beautiful gate as this 40-year-old took his very first steps. But how did it happen? That's what the crowd are wondering about. They have seen this wonder happen and now they're wondering how it did happen and as the crowd gather with people running up to Peter and John and to the beggar Peter begins to speak do you see that it's a bit like Acts 2 there's something miraculous happens and then Peter sees a crowd forming and begins to speak begins to proclaim Jesus and so the beautiful miracle points to the beautiful saviour Verses 11 
to 16. As Peter begins to speak to the crowd there in verse 12, notice that he first of all deflects attention from himself and from John. It's not that Peter and John are great people, uh, that they've been able to do this somehow. He says, men of Israel, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? He says, don't look at us. We're nothing. Rather, look to Jesus. Verse 13. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant, Jesus. Jesus has been glorified. He has been raised and exalted by God the Father. But that's not how the people of Jerusalem would have thought of him. Look at the next three sentences there from the middle of verse 13 uh, through uh, to uh, the start of verse 15. Each of the sentences starts with the same word. Uh, What word is it? You. Uh, So Peter is saying you to the crowd. Uh, and, And what had they done with Jesus? You handed him over to be killed. And you disowned him before Pilate. Verse 14. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life. But God raised him from the dead. Do you see how Jesus is described in these verses? He is God's servant. He is the holy and righteous one. He is the author of life, the life giver. And yet they handed him over. They disowned him. They killed him. They didn't think much of him. They wanted rid of him. But God thought much of his son so much verse 15 that God raised him from the dead and Peter and John are witnesses of this and so Jesus is the beautiful saviour the one who has won the victory over death and he brings life into being that's what happened with the beggar verse 16 He says, by faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has given this complete healing to him, as you can all see. This man's faith was in Jesus and was demonstrated when he stood up and began walking and leaping. And praising God. Jesus is the beautiful Saviour who promises a beautiful future. Now, do you see how Peter seeks to bring them with him uh, in verses 17 and 18? He says, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders. Uh, they didn't realise what they were doing when they were doing it. And it was in this way that God fulfilled what he had said in advance 
through the prophets that the Christ would suffer. But even so, there's no excuse. They need to do something about it. And so he calls on them, verse 19, to repent then and turn to God. Now I'm sure by now that when you hear that word repentance, uh, you are sick hearing me say that repentance is an about turn. It's a turnaround, a change of direction. To turn from sin and to turn to God. And that's what Peter calls on them to do. But do you see why he calls on them to do it? It's so that they will have a beautiful future brought about by the beautiful Saviour. Verse 19. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord And that he may send the Christ who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. Three distinct but connected ways in which a beautiful future is guaranteed whenever we turn to the Lord Jesus. I wonder, is this your future? Are you sharing in this beautiful future today? First one, so that your sins may be wiped out. I don't know what they had uh, in school whenever you were going to school, whether it was a blackboard or a whiteboard. Um, But imagine that on whichever you are most familiar with, all your sins are written up on it. It might be big blackboard or whiteboard. Would you want other people to see that? To know about that? To be able to know all your sins? Probably not. But imagine that it's completely wiped clean. That if someone looks to see at what's on your record, it's, it's clean. It's clear. That is what God offers to us. Our sins wiped away, dealt with, forgotten, sorted, paid for. And if, if the very sin of putting Jesus to death, the sin that these people here in Jerusalem had committed, if that could be wiped out, then all of your sins, even the very worst of them, whichever you're most ashamed of, they too can be wiped out and forgiven. Now sometimes this is what we tend to focus on, the forgiveness of sins. But Peter says there's even more involved in our beautiful future. He says too that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Think back to some of the really hot weather that we've been having recently. It looks like it might be another good day today. And and what happens whenever you get all hot and bothered? Maybe you've been working hard. Maybe you've just been sitting around and you're still hot and bothered. What do you need? You need a good ice lolly or a, or a drink or an ice cream or something. And that refreshes you. And this is what God does for his people. He refreshes us. He, he blesses us. When we turn from being his enemies and become his friends and live under his rule 
and his blessing. Times of refreshing coming from the Lord. And yet there's even more involved in our beautiful future. Three, that he may send the Christ. The full climax of our beautiful future is the return of the Lord Jesus to this earth when we will see him face to face, when we will be welcomed into his eternal kingdom. You know, sometimes whenever people talk about what they think heaven will be like, uh, they just talk about all the things that they like doing and, and think, you know, it'll be, an, it'll be an eternal day of fishing or, you know, it'll be, you know, golfing all the time or whatever it is that you're into. And sometimes talking like that means that we actually forget the central feature of, of, of glory, at the central feature of heaven, which is Jesus himself. Our beautiful saviour is the central feature of our beautiful future. But you might be thinking, well, where is Jesus? Why has he not come back already? Peter tells us in verse 21, he says he must remain in heaven until the time comes for God to restore everything. As he promised long ago through his holy prophet. In our beautiful future brought about by our beautiful saviour, everything will be restored. Or in the words of uh, Lord of the Rings, everything sad will come untrue. And the healing of this beggar is a sign of that restoration, that putting right of everything that is wrong. And this is what lies ahead. When Jesus returns, just think, the restoration of your body, those creaking joints or that failing eyesight or whatever it might be that you struggle with, the restoration of relationships, the restoration of the universe. We have a beautiful future. And it can be ours if we listen to Jesus, if we trust him. That's what Peter's driving at in these closing verses. He goes on uh, to show how the scriptures uh, show how Jesus had been promised by Moses and all the prophets from Samuel on. And he reminds them of God's promise to Abraham, how uh, through your offspring all people on earth will be blessed. You see, this blessing is for everyone and anyone who will trust Jesus and listen to him. These Jews in Jerusalem were the first to hear of the blessing, but it's for everyone as as Jesus sent out the apostles at the start of Acts to Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, even Rich Hill. But as we close, let's focus just for a moment on those, for those words of Moses in verse 22. Look at them with me. For Moses said, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me 
from among your own people. You must listen to everything he tells you. Anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off from among his people. Will we listen to Jesus? Will we put our faith in him? You see, to fail to listen to him or to listen and then not put it into practice is, as we heard in our gospel reading, to build on sand. And when the storms of life come, we won't survive. But to listen to Jesus, to do what he says, to, uh, to take his words by faith, uh, is to build on solid rock. Is to stand through the storms of life. And to have this glorious, beautiful future with Jesus our Saviour. The crippled beggar would never forget his first steps. Recorded here for us in Acts chapter 3. Perhaps today is the day when you will take your first step of faith. As you trust Jesus. This beautiful miracle points to the beautiful saviour who promises a beautiful future. May that future be our future today. Through Jesus, our beautiful Saviour. Amen.